welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I'm Ben Bateman, your host of Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network devoted to bringing you all content movie-related. I am joined today by my co-host, Andrew Guy. I'm back, and my shirt's mostly waterproof. <laughs> and our special guest today, Razzle. What's up? How's everybody doing? Yeah, so thanks for coming, Razzle. Oh, is, thanks uh, for having me. Razzle's a stand-up comic. He has a couple podcasts out there, Nerdist and Wolf Pop, so uh, he should have some... Some entertaining and funny yeah. things to say on the movie for us today. And I just love action movies. Huge, huge fan of action movies. You have to if you're going to be in this room right. with us. That's right. That's I'm right. Bored. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, of course. So, today, guys, episode three of Action Movie Anatomy covers a classic from 1994 called Speed. Or, in other words, the bus that wouldn't slow down. Couldn't slow down. That couldn't slow down. So here on the show, we qualify movies, the classic, the most classic of action movies, in four categories. Uh, they were released after 1981. The hero is always the smartest guy in the room, along with the villain. There's at least one explosion. The hero always plays by their own rules. And the hero also is a police, military, or political figure. As with most cases, this one qualifies. So we're going to get right into it. We want to show you guys the trailer first, because the trailer is awesome. Uh, so let's take a look. Quiz. Airport. Gunman with one hostage. He's using her for cover. That's a great 90s trailer. You're 100 feet away. I wonder if people will like what this trailer think? as much as we do. Shoot the hostage. People what? didn't like The Edge of Tomorrow trailer really as much as we did. No. People are stupid. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> we love them for watching us. Edge of Tomorrow is right, Oh, they love the movie. They just didn't like the trailer. kind of blew me away. Bomb's already taken out cable. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency my favorite line. Anything else that'll keep this elevator from falling? Yeah. yeah. The basement. The basement, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. can strike anywhere. At any time. At any time. Just please sign in. The guy who did those 90s, oh, he did, it was, there were two of them. Yeah. Like the two this one, I think yeah. this guy's dead though, right? Yeah, and he was the guy. He was the bad guy. Uh -huh. So are people watching this in here and us? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah there's a movie, like a, a comedic movie about his daughter called it. In the world. Oh. It's actually really good. Yeah. Nice. It talks a lot about voiceover and the business and all that. So good. Hopper. Hopper's classic. I'm oh, so man. good in this. He's like at a certain point of crazy, like past his prime, but like insane in a kind of a campy way. Yeah. It's really weird. And, well, and like the, the voiceover guy, like I'm listening to it, and it's it's not even like it's like an action voiceover. He's like doing like a scream voiceover. Like there's yeah. an, oh, don't turn the corner. Right. It's the same voice for every Did trailer. Did you lock your does. doors? <laughs> well, they also someone is in your refrigerator. Yeah, they also had no idea that this movie was going to be a hit. So like oh, yeah. everything about the way that it's sold and all of it. Thirty. I mean, it was the yeah. budget was yeah. so low. I know. We were shocked when we looked at the budget. It blew my mind when I found out how yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. So but we that's uh, independent <clears throat> movie right now. That's like a Cannes movie. Like, yeah. Oh, you only paid thirty million to make this movie. Right. Then it was just a massive. It's massive going straight success, to VOD. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Huge. 
This trailer's so good. It's a really, it's a really good one. It's just a classic nineties just trailer. In the opening line, you know, uh, of this trailer is just amazing. Like, yeah, it was so good. It's really like to me, it's like a, an amazing reminder of how effective a scenario can be. Like just the scenario of this movie is what makes it as right. good as it is. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, it's showing all the really cool parts too, but but it doesn't it ruin doesn't them. ruin it. Yeah. It's also like, funny how, but like how campy, uh, like if The Simpsons was spoofing this, yeah. yeah. Like how many things about this are like easy to hold spoof. on, hold on. Oh, yeah. This part, love it. I love that part. Very well, the trailer. Like, it shows them the bus jumping through the air, and you're like, "Does it land? Yeah. What happens next?" <laughs> Coming. I want to pay. I want to pay three dollars in 1994 money to see this. Right? Yeah. Hundred percent. So that's a sweet trailer. Uh, at least we think so. And uh, and we're gonna start with this one with profiles, star breakdown. So we want to look at where Keanu Reeves and Dennis Hopper, because at this point Bullock was kind of an unknown. So we give her an honorable mention here. But we want to start with you know Hopper and Reeves where they were in their careers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this. Keanu Reeves' sort of three most recent hits that would have maybe related to the same audience were Point Break in 1991, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, also 91. And Dracula in '92, and this is '94. So he had a few other movies in there, but as far as like maybe the same male audience probably would have seen those other movies. Oh yeah, I mean he's literally at the pinnacle or like the beginning of the pinnacle of his career. Like he goes, I mean, because five years later he's in The Matrix, and right? It seems like a totally different person, right? But he's just he's been grinding since the mid '80s. He just has movies, a few movies every single year. He was in Youngblood with Rob Lowe. I mean, if you the only way this movie could have made even more money is if. Dennis Hopper's character name was Bodie, right. and he and Keanu was actually Johnny Utah, just a new cop in a new city saving a bomb on a bus. Do you right. know what I find fascinating is actually that uh, this movie came out in '94, and Point yeah. Break, which for the record is my all-time favorite movie, okay, is three years prior. Like it took him three years to give Keanu another action vehicle, and Point yeah. Break was hugely successful. Mm-hmm. That was because like, there are no dead president masks in Speed. Yeah, right. it would have came out two years prior if everybody on the bus was wearing a mask. So what's what's mind blowing is that uh, because Point Break was a success, but it wasn't. I don't think they attributed the success to Keanu. They attributed it to Swayze. Yes, which is yes. why this movie it was not supposed to be as big as it was. It came out in June. We'll get to that later when we talk about box office stuff. Yeah. But <clears throat> well, the interesting thing about that is that Paramount uh, didn't want anything to do with it because they were like Keanu just can't carry a movie he's not enough star power to get this thing going that's why Fox ended up picking up later on but yeah you're right Keanu did not have his name was not that powerful yet yeah so he's like front end of the action star Keanu that we eventually you know came to know and love Uh, I mean Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey obviously was a sequel so that did pretty well Dracula is the same like that kind of witless Keanu character that shows up in like The Devil's Advocate and like you know the one where he's like kind of a a good to do nice guy who's just kind of like airheaded that's like sort of the same character that he plays in Dracula absolutely yeah Yeah. I mean he kind of plays that in this movie too he's just like the nice cop like oh ma'am and he's calling everybody he's like I just want to save everybody on the bus so we Drew and I talked about this the other day like one of the rules is that you you have to be one of you have to be the smartest guy in the room right that's like one of the rules but it's funny because we were saying like he's like accidentally the nicest the, the smartest guy in the room yeah yeah, like he is the smartest guy in the room, but it's it's he's like screwing up the whole time he's doing it, and it just works out. He's like, oh yeah, he's, and <laughs> perfect. But he's only the smartest guy on the bus. Like if you put him in the room with anybody else, he's not like like uh, yeah. Um, Jeff Daniels. Jeff proves Daniels that point. proves the point that he's the smartest guy. 
And then, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the movie, yeah. he's, he's not at the end of the movie. Well, the thing is, also, you see with some of these movies is that, like, if you do have one of those heroes that's maybe lacking some quality, yeah. there's often the balance guy. So, yeah. like, in The Rock, Nick Cage is the smartest guy, but he doesn't have, like, the, the badassness that, you know, Sean yeah. Connery has. So they kind of pair together. It's yeah. the same with Jeff Daniels and Connery in this movie. Yep. They're kind of both halves. They create the yeah. ultimate hero. I mean, and half of the problem would have been, I mean, if Keanu was just smart and he got on the bus, he right. would have just been like... Dudes, I'm a cop. There's a bomb on the bus. Yeah. That's why I tried so hard to get on this bus. Right. Don't shoot the driver. Right. Would have been that easy. I'm not here for anybody. There's just a bomb on the bus. Instead, I don't he care. Like, I don't care about your crime. Yeah. yeah. Like this. <laughs> just you. You jumped on the bus. You tried so hard to get on the bus. Just tell everybody. Don't try and keep secrets. Just be like, look. Right. Here's the deal. Stay calm. But then that would have defeated the, all the all, all the tensions. So okay, so yeah. that's Keanu. Then sure. you look over to Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Now Hopper did like seven movies in 1993. Like mm-hmm. he he, but none of them working really actor. were huge blockbusters. He yeah. was just working and grinding. So the ones we listed they were all 93 movies. You have True Romance, Red Rock West, and Super Mario. And you th- you think like, oh, if anybody else had those movies listed in '93, those are all you know fairly uh, visible movies. Yeah. There's seven others that we just had never heard of. Right. Okay. So uh, it's that's pretty wild. But I mean, True Romance, Red Rock West, and Super Mario that like they're pretty visible projects. Yeah. And these guys were in a movie together eight years ago as well, Keanu and uh, Hopper. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the River's Edge. The River's Edge. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it with Crispin Glover. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love everyone's that everyone's favorite guy to work with yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. That movie is actually like really sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very entertaining. I heard you told me I was missing out on it. Hopper's like uh, really weird, and and Crispin Glover, like, so Hopper's name is Feck, sure. F E C K, mm-hmm. and and Crispin Glover's like Feck, Feck. He What's like, his name? Uh, Crispin Glover. I don't remember. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. <laughs> I just remember Willard's Feck. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen Willard? Where uh, like, he yes, breeds the rats. The rat That's tamer, a, essentially. So weird. What a weird. What an odd dude. Yeah, odd but he's for awesome. Sure. So Super Mario Brothers. Sure. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It kind of reminds me of um, of uh, like when De Niro was in uh, the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's kind of like a similar casting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you see these guys, you're like, wait, what are you doing in this movie right now? Yeah. It's just kind of like, what? Like, how did this... I mean, I guess it got greenlit because Nintendo was like the biggest... Oh, it was blowing up. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, you can turn into a dinosaur at the end of the movie, you would do the movie. <laughs> In right. a heartbeat. I would do... I don't care how bad the movie is. If I get to transform into a dinosaur... I'm going to do that movie. And Hopper was just in. Absolutely. He, yeah. He's just Shane a huge Cooper. fan of dinosaurs. That's <laughs> like, why I did the movie. He's like, look, guys, I made Easy Rider, okay? Yeah. Money, uh, money in the bank. Right. Two things I like. <laughs> two things I like. Motorcycles and dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and bombs on buses that can't stop. I'm so, on board. So True Romance yeah. is like a classic. But what's yeah. amazing about that, so Drew and I, once again, have, have like conferred for the longest time about this. Yeah. We have this this notion that the, the perfect action category is defined by Tony Scott that he's the guy like there's like some tonality to his movies that is the most it's even more than Michael Bay like it's okay. it's just the guy and okay. True Romance though is the weird movie because it doesn't feel like a Tony Scott movie at all yeah. I was yeah. I was actually really surprised when I saw that Tony Scott directed that because Tarantino wrote and sold him the script and then they flipped the script a whole bunch around so True Romance is kind of a dramatic classic from the 90s okay. in a lot of ways Yeah, in a way that a lot of these other movies we talk about are not really dramatic classics they're just classics what is <laughs> it Val Kilmer he plays he's Elvis for like a minute right yeah Kilmer plays Kilmer? an old man's in it he yeah. plays Drexel yeah. and like Gandolfini Hopper's in it. Yeah, it's got uh, a lot of people. Yeah. It's a rocking cast. Yeah. And yeah. then the other one that we, we referenced here was Red Rock West, which is clearly a reach for a visible movie that Hopper right. had done. But, you know, Nick Cage is in it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was a little kid, but I remember, you know, enjoying it to some degree. Yeah, I think I watched it like 
the decade, 15 yeah. years ago. Don't remember any of it. Yeah. So, anyway, Hopper, he was definitely transitioning into that part of his career where he was kind of, I can do what I want, work what I want. I don't really recall anything after Speed that really jumps out at me as, like, a big, huge success that he was in. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there yeah. were movies here and there, but this was, for me, just the time I grew up and the type of movies that I loved growing up. This is kind of how I remember Dennis Hopper very well. This and Easy Rider, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the last uh, the last bit we wanted to mention was that Sandra Bullock, her honorable mention was that she also did Demolition Man in 1993. And she almost had nothing else to talk about. Yeah, her, until this point, prior to 90, like she's that's the, the amazing thing about this is another is another uh, case where you say that the studio was not prepared for this movie to be as big as it was. They put it in the hands of Sandra Bullock because she was not somebody she was not over sexualized yet. Yeah. she wasn't overexposed. She didn't have a lot of personalities and actors that people were aware of. So. I mean, when we get to recasting later, obviously, we can sort of compare. Well, originally, that. they they also originally wanted, they were going to have it, it was going to be more of like a comedy, like an action comedy. They were going to have Ellen DeGeneres was actually, right. mm-hmm. she was up for Sandra Bullock's part. Yeah, well, I think the full cast of that was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, Jeff Bridges for yeah. Keanu. Right. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. And uh, I believe the, the See, last one was... One of the Baldwin brothers was up for it, too, then he turned it down. Oh, yeah. There was a whole was list, a list of A-listers of that were supposed to be... Uh, Stephen Baldwin's not an A-lister. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking about Johnny Depp was, was off of the role, yeah. uh, Brad yeah. Pitt, right. um, George Clooney. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the 90s, uh, that's funny that one of the Baldwins would have been like... Yeah, but here's the problem, too, with that, is they like they turned it down and they rewrote it. Like, they had them all rewrite it. I don't know if it's... if I haven't looked... I can't remember what's on here. I don't know if it, that's to talk about. But they're... Uh, like, Keanu and all them, they had people... Like, it was... They didn't like it, and they had it rewritten a lot because it was too much like Die Hard. Right, yeah. Which is kind of puzzling because Die Hard's one of the best action movies of all time, so just... Yeah. Die Hard on Bus? Yes, please. Well, actually, that leads us right into the next <laughs> section, because we're about to start talking about production development. But oh, really okay. quickly, Ed Harris was the, was okay. the Dennis Hopper replacement. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me just one second. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. That was if, when it was taking place in space, though. Right. Because <laughs> right. that's all Ed Harris does, is movies where he's in well, space. Well, except that he's in the most classic action movie of all time, the Rock. General Hummel, yeah. which is the greatest. But So we're going to get into production development, just kind of how the movie sure. got made. Uh, before we do, Andrew has uh, something he'd like to share with you about... Uh, about, about iTunes and subscribing. Uh, uh, if you could please subscribe to iTunes and give us a rating, uh, you know, give us a shout out, and we'll be happy to shout you out on air. Yeah, that's uh, that's my Keanu asking you to do iTunes. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Uh, yeah, as always, you know, find us on Twitter, comment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, interact with us; it'd be awesome. We'd love to talk to you guys and hear what you think. So. Uh, you mentioned that the movie was going to have other people, that it yes. had gone through various rewrites. So let's kind of get into how it got made. It's written by Graham Yost, who at the time was not exactly, uh, he wasn't a home run hitter, so to speak. He ended up, uh, you know, writing this movie. He wrote Broken Arrow. He wrote Mission to Mars. He really ended up in much more of a production role later on down the line. He's produced a bunch of huge TV shows, Justified, The Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of wasn't. Again, it's like one of these. This was an accidental movie because they spent thirty million dollars. Yeah, it, right. So a thirty million dollar movie. When you compare it to the movies that it's sort of now in retrospect compared against Die Hard and these nothing. Movies. Yeah, it wasn't. Nobody expected this was going to blow up. So you have kind of a and then and then most interestingly to me is that it's directed by Jan de Bont, right? Now he was a cinematographer for like thirty years. A much more successful cinematographer than he ever was a director. I mean, massive, massive. Like he, so he worked with. Uh, he worked with Paul Verhoeven, right? Verhoeven's like very, very famous for doing kind of these self-satirical uh, takes on genres that are so you know Starship Troopers, right? Yeah, it's Robocop. Kind of, Robocop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like poking fun at his own genre. Showgirls is like the ultimate example of this, where he's like, I'm gonna you know strippers and the whole, and it's just gonna be funny. 
but he was a he was a director who was very famous in the seventies and the eighties. And Jandabont was his cinematographer for almost every movie he ever did. Hmm. And this took him all the way through Basic Instinct. He did the cinematography for The Hunt for Red October. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Lethal Weapon Three, um, all the right moves, starring Tom Cruise, the football oh, movie, of course. But he's had to talk about Tom Cruise. Yeah, you could do him. one episode. <clears throat> I love Tom Cruise. This is his directorial <laughs> debut, though. They gave him speed because he had this idea, and he thought, you know, I guess they were like, "Well, just well, this guy's made movies for thirty years. He's been behind the camera." Yeah. And this was his most successful movie. Yeah. After that, it just kind of goes downhill. He only directs like what six more movies or something like that. I think five films his whole career. Yeah. It's like this, and then he does Twister. Okay, and this is a really good movie. Twister's pretty sweet. I mean, it's Billy enjoyable. Paxton. I'll watch Bill Paxton do anything. I love Bill Paxton. Is it pa- Paxton? Yeah, it's Paxton. It's yeah. Paxton. Yeah. Uh, and then he does uh, Speed Two. Okay. And then he does Mission to Mars, is that right? Is it Hard Rain? Uh no, that's that's one of the producers. Oh, okay, right. He does uh he does the Haunting remake in 99, that's what it is. Right. Uh and then finally he did Lara Croft Tomb Raider 2, The uh, oh. Cradle of Life. One of oh, the yeah. best movies they ever made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that was when they were like, "All right, dude, you're done. Sorry, no more." <laughs> kind of fell off a cliff at that point. He <laughs> did fan uh, of Cradles. Yeah. Fan <laughs> of cradles. <laughs> he did really work again as a director. Fan of Lives and Cradles. Yeah, it's interesting about the writing of this is that, you know, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, Paramount originally had this movie, they wanted to take it, and they were like, no, we're not going to do it, we don't want Keanu, and we don't like the script, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this guy, Joss Whedon, that right. ring a bell with anyone? Yeah, yeah. He has actually What's been... he done? <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and IMDb him when we're done, IMDb. you might recognize a few of the movies. Okay. He actually was credited for writing most of the dialogue of this movie, and at that point, once the dialogue was rewritten, that's when Keanu signed on, because he, did, he thought that the movie was sounded too much like Die Hard, originally. Right. Oh yeah, Joss so, Whedon. Yes. Joss Whedon. <laughs> Joss Whedon. He's the guy who allegedly stole the plot and story for Cabin in the Woods. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Joss guy. Whedon. That, yeah. Joss Whedon. that obscure writer. That obscure writer. That guy has like really immersed himself. He's, he's going nowhere. It's amazing how much he's done. If you, oh, if you yeah. think about this, is '94 and Buffy was back then. You know, he, the movie, the show, <laughs> the comic book following. Yeah. Now. Well, was it Joss or JJ? One of the one of the two has was like pretty much. Wrote the story for Toy Story One, also I believe. Oh, or wrote it was pickup art, uh, like like uh, like punch ups, jokes, or something like that. Some one of those two. Um, like you think of them now, they're all huge now. But yeah. I mean, you really look back, and it's like they're just grinding, they their grinding a since they were kids. Almost yeah, like, absolutely. I would, if I had to guess, I would guess it was Joss Whedon. It probably Abrams, is. Abrams feels more. He's more action oriented. Yeah. More action sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, and Joss has got like a very memorable. But it's amazing. Like you, you don't you forget how. How long they've been in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, so as we talked about, you know, this movie didn't get made. Um, it didn't get made with the idea that Keanu was going to be a superstar, an action superstar, right? Like I said, Point Break was sort of driven by Swayze. So uh, when they when they did make it, this production team who who was on it, there's a guy named Ian Bryce. Now he's the executive producer of this movie. His first notable credit was that he was a production assistant on Return of the Jedi. Oh yes, he was then tasked. With doing the 1985 TV movie Ewoks: The Battle for Endor, which, by the way, guys, the whole movie is streaming on YouTube. You could find it. I love it. This was like what Star Wars was at its like most commercial mid 80s stretch, and they were just pumping out everything they could. I think the best part about it is that it starred Wilfred Brimley, who has diabetes. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley and Warwick Davis, the Warwick, leprechaun. Yeah, <laughs> Warwick Davis from Willow, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> Willow! <laughs> I cannot wait to watch that movie. Yeah, it's that's a, good. I remember it. Yeah, you, oh, you've seen it. Oh, yeah. The Ewok movie? Oh, of course. Battle <laughs> Predator. Okay, Star Wars fan. 
So uh, he also, you know, that he worked on Batman Returns as a producer, Howard the Duck, Beverly Hillbillies. But really following Speed, he kind of skyrocketed into, like, the stratosphere. You know, Saving Private Ryan, almost famous. All the Transformers movies, World War Z. uh, Definitely kind of a a who's who of of Michael Bay-related movies in the last ten years especially. Oh, Um, Michael Bay, huge fan. But he worked with two other producers, Mark Gordon and Allison Leon. And they were actually... They, they all worked were, on Saving Private Ryan together. Yeah, so the first the first half of their all like sort of careers as producers, they, they were all kind of related. Um, but after the the Bay separation by Ian Bryce, we'll say, yeah. uh, he starts to work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all the Transformers movies, okay. and Pain and Gain, The Island. They sort of stopped working together as much. But uh, and then Gordon kind of went on to be like the Roland Emmerich guy for a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. She yeah she worked on you know Day After Tomorrow and Shark Tale and right. another I think uh, 2012 as well. So, uh, yeah, anyways, that's the sort of the, the, the production team behind it. Um, I do think with Jan de Bont, it's really interesting that a first-time director was able to get the tone of this movie. Uh, it doesn't feel like this is... This movie doesn't feel like it's just a visual movie. It's And you would expect a guy that was behind the camera for so long and was in charge of shooting it to maybe be a little bit more cinematic. Like, everything, that's what you're paying attention to. And there are some moments, of course. Yeah, kind uh, of. Yeah, <laughs> there are some moments. But, I mean, this movie is driven by the circumstances more than anything. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, it, the the tone, the, the just, the movie in general is so, like, once you get invested, you're on board, like, the whole movie. Right. Like, it's, you're not second-guessing anything. You know, There's the bomb on the bus, you know this. Right. You know they can't slow down. And you've been in traffic before. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, that's all you need to know, and it's such. I mean, he nails it perfectly. Like it's, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's such a great. Like he nails everything. I mean, it's there's not a ton of humor. There's not. I mean, it's there's a little bit, but it's it's like it's more like cutting through how stressful right this situation would be. Right, and and you just said so. You've got me on board. There's a bomb on the bus, and this brings up an interesting topic that you and I had a, a discussion about, yeah. which is is the first 15 minutes of this movie relevant at all? Yeah, so it's it's the whole action movie pretense thing, right? Like yeah. This this is the thing that '90s movies did in in a big way. And nowadays, when you look at a movie like Taken, that's trying to capitalize on the old genre. Yeah, the, you have to do this thing where you establish the characters. You put them in an initial situation. The Rock does it, obviously. Yeah, the Expendables. Yeah, and it's 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 about twelve minutes of exposition. That's like this is where this guy lives. This is one quality that's going to come back later that you're going to know about him. This is his wife. You know what right. I mean? This is what he grew up doing. Yeah. Right? He's obsessive compulsive. He locks his doors or something, and then that ends up playing in the movie. You have to ask yourself, this movie, when the the, the bus blows up and the phone rings, you're kind of at that moment, you're kind of like, I'm on board. This is right. great. You're yeah. like, I could watch. I'm going to watch this. Couldn't you have just started the movie there? No, and I'll tell you why. Uh, there was so much dialogue prior to... Um, in the elevator and, and mm-hmm. uh, s- setting up Dennis Hopper's role right. about being a disgruntled policeman, as well as the watch. I believe Jeff Daniels mentioned something about when you retire, oh, I get a gold watch or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's so, so much There's so much foreshadowing in that. And, and, and that, that also shows Keanu Reeves' great thinking action-wise, like, like mm-hmm. hey, let's jo- hook up this giant right. cable to it, where uh, Jeff Daniels is more of the smart bomb guy. So it sets up their dynamic of being partners and the risking someone's life to get the bad guy. So it sets up the, the character thought processes of Keanu being like, screw it, I'm going to jump on. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, he's like, all I know is being physicalities. Right. And um, so that's why I mean, and it sets up the idea of the game of him specifically targeting Keanu Reeves. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with Razzle on this you know one. I mean? Like when I when you and I talked about this, you know, you were kind of on the fence about it, and you're saying that that the movie could start right when that bus blows up, and I do agree with you. Yeah, I think that it would still be a good enough movie, but I like the exposition. I like everything they talk about. I like that it lays it all out, and you do get a little bit of that. Like he wakes up, he pets his dog, blah blah, blah with the right. banter between Daniel yeah, and yeah. Keanu. So I like it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's bad for the movie. I just the more I thought about it, the more I was like, when I watch this movie. Less this one. The Rock really is the one that, yeah. that screams. Like this beginning section is just oh, kind yeah. of. But I mean, I do love that this genre and this era too. And we talked about this on. Uh, we might have talked about this on Air Force One. The, the music that they put oh, on the credits no. in these movies Great. at the beginning. It's like so. you roll credits and it's just like dun 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 dun. And you're yeah. like, oh, this is great. I'm you are excited to pirates. watch this movie right now. Dun dun dun. Yeah, our pirates. There are more pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pirate song. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much been used for. Or all what of about them. the? Or the, even the ending credits, like the the cheesy '90s alt rock song about yeah, speed. Yeah, like okay. it's literally <laughs> like if you listen to the, it's like a theme song over the end credits. Oh yeah, it's, it's a feel good ending. Yeah, it also has song ever. it has um, a lot of the cliches. One thing we we like to talk about on the show is the the hero and the villain qualifier. Yeah, um, it has the villain qualifier when Jeff Daniels looks at it and he's like, I don't recognize the work, but he's a pro. Yeah, right, right? exactly. Like, Boom. It's like, That's all we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, he knows more than Jeff Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is good. This yeah. is good. I'm invested now. Yeah. I guess you don't really get a Keanu hero hero qualifier in this movie. Do the you? elevator scene is. I guess this that. guy plays by his own rules. He yeah. risks people's lives. Loose cannon. He yeah. shoots his partner in the leg. Yeah. Like you know, he's the only one who can get us off this bus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Okay, so uh, let's let's kind of move into the box office. We've talked. We've already talked quite a bit about. Oh, actually, one thing I do want to mention. One piece of trivia is that uh, sure. Jen Debon was actually attached to a Godzilla movie as the director that was supposed to come out in 1996. Um, end up, up getting canned because uh, for who was it? Uh, but Sony denied his budget requests, mm-hmm. and that very same movie was end up being made in 1998 with Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was originally the guy that was going to do that movie, okay. but he wanted too much money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, box office. And whatnot. This movie was made for thirty million dollars, just obscenely low. So. Yeah, like Pennies. you said, it's basically an indie yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and when you consider that it made uh, what, like three hundred and three hundred and fifty million worldwide. Yeah, three hundred fifty million worldwide. It yeah. actually uh, is Keanu Reeves' fifth highest-grossing movie of his career, behind the three Matrix films. And something's got to give. <laughs> of course, something's got to give. People loved something. I saw it in theaters twice. Okay. I like yeah. that. And the fact that this movie was such a massive blockbuster, uh, I was reading a little thing about it. Uh, one of the Fox execs was in a screening, and he was sitting there watching the movie, and he started watching the audience, and he realized that whenever people would leave to go to the bathroom, they would walk backwards to the bathroom. And, he, and this is a note that he put. He's like, we've got something big here. These people got to pee. They got to do whatever they got to do in the bathroom. They won't even... They, they cannot divert their attention from the screen until they are out of the theater. Right. And that was the first moment of like, I think we've got something huge here. And again, it made over 10 times its budget. Yeah. In today's, in today's market, if, you know, to do that, you're spending 175 or $200 million on, a, on a movie that would sort of fill the same yeah. space. Right. So you got to make not $2 even, billion. Dollars. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, not even counting 100 in P&L. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so it's funny because they released it at June 10th as opposed to the standard like mid-July, beginning of August. That's, I think, some of the reason that it was as successful as it was. I mean, the movies that it was up against, you know, the Flintstones movie had right. been, the, had been the incumbent champion for two weeks in a row. And you had The Crow and uh, City Slickers 2 and Maverick. Those right. are like the Schindler's movies. List had been out for like 20 weeks or something like yeah, that yeah. already or something absurd. Well, and I mean, you look at, okay, uh, City Slickers 2, a sequel to a very successful movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Maverick starring... Mel Gibson, the, yeah. Arguably one of the biggest action stars 
in the the late eighties, early nineties. At the time, yeah, huge, at the time, yeah. absolutely. Um, on top of the fact that if you also think about it, June it was June seventh. Did you say June tenth? June tenth. So that's very, still early in the month of June. Yeah. And if you look at every movie now, they over the last just ten years, they've been turning the summer blockbuster into the spring blockbuster. So June tenth in 1994 is still relatively early in the summer considering all the big action movies came out July right end of July beginning of August end of summer before school goes into season so June 10th was still relatively early for a a major blockbuster. Yeah. So I mean I would that would I'd I'd be curious to go through and see all the the major blockbusters that when they started you know when they came out well there were massive blockbusters that came out in 94 it was interesting when we went to go look at the budget notes we were like there's only 10 movies in theaters? Like, this doesn't seem right. We had to go to, like, three different websites and double-check, and all of them was like, yeah, there was literally, like, 10 to 12 movies in theaters at the time, and that is, again, a testament to why this movie did so well. I mean, six weeks later, yeah. you know, that's when you have all the giant successes in exactly. 1994. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do think that's really interesting. It's also, you know, indicative, probably, of studios paying attention even as far back as 1994 and saying, okay, June 10th, you start talking about that shift. Yeah. They probably start to say, if everybody's going to be spending $100 million plus on their movie, and we need this to be a tentpole for our studio to not go under, why don't we stretch it out? Let's yeah. make summer start in April. Let's make summer start in May. Absolutely. And you know we'll have a better chance of opening if we're not up against Avengers 2 or something. Yeah, like that, exactly. You know? I mean, now summer starts April 3rd. Right. It's like yeah. 10 days into spring, and it's already... Summer blockbuster season. So a couple numbers. Speed was the number five highest grossing <laughs> film of 1994. Yep. Uh, it was the number two highest grossing R-rated film of 1994 behind True Lies. Which I love that. Oh, I can't wait till we do that movie. Yeah, that is I love such Doris. a good one. This is Boris. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, my roommate in college had the biggest crush on Jamie Lee Curtis. She's like, I don't know what it is, man. I just love that <laughs> slick back hair. She's hot. <laughs> she was hot. She was hot. She was hot back then. And then it, uh, it is ranked as the number three hostage movie all time behind Air Force One and Argo. Air Force what? One. Air Force One. Why does that ring up? Air oh, Force yeah. One. What list is that on? Number three hostage movie? Yeah. 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 Have those people seen Die Hard? The, hey, man. Numbers don't lie. I guess. Is I think that, it's a different category. Yeah. It must be. I'd be curious to see what kind of yeah list. What it, kind of that is? Because it's also kind of not a hostage movie. Speed? Speed. Oh, the whole bus is a hostage. The dude's not there. It doesn't matter, but he's still holding the entire bus hostage by a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to see this list, but I believe you because I don't read really Die Hard. That is really weird. I right? know. I was surprised at that too. I think it, it must fall in a different category. It's yeah. got to either that or it didn't make as much money. Maybe it might be box office. Maybe yeah, could be that. Yeah, yeah versus budget numbers could be could be like all numbers versus like box office versus budget. Die right, Hard's right? eighty seven, I think. And eighty seven, eighty eight. So. Yeah. yeah, and I, and really like you look at the heart of this genre. Eighty seven is pretty early. Like yeah. Predators eighty six. Mm-hmm. Like those the Schwarzenegger movies that were really yeah. killing it. I mean T two for instance is nineteen ninety two. That's yeah. kind of right in the heart of it. Yes. You know, mm. all the Nick Cage movies we did. Oh, early like 90s, mid-90s. early to mid-90s is like right when it's just action movie gold. Well, and yeah. also, so that actually brings Absolutely. up a really interesting point, which is that this is another one of those movies, just like Air Force One, which is put people in a situation that they have to get out of mm-hmm. in one location, right? They're on a bus the whole time. They're in a building. They're on an airplane. Um, yeah, they go on, from being in an elevator to being on a bus to being on a subway. Right. They're pretty much trapped the whole yeah. movie. Yes. And, uh, and it is really interesting that that was a formula that Die Hard created he would he complained that it was too similar to die hard yeah. and it's not a formula you see so much anymore it really isn't yeah it's and it's a bummer too like even in the die hard movies like die hard 5 i'm a huge die hard fan yeah. i just mm-hmm. love the franchise huge yeah. bruce willis fan uh die hard 5 was there was even a, a a bit of dialogue in the movie where bruce willis is like we have nothing at stake here like we could just 
Yeah. Go back to the United States. And all Die Hard Five is, is it's a it's a chase scene. It's a it's a you know, a driving it's point A to point B to point C to point D, all of a sudden nukes are in the basement of some place in Russia. <laughs> right. And it's like there's no nothing at stake. Whereas you right. look at Die Hard and it's single, it's like you're in one place. Mm-hmm. Right. In speed, you're in one place, but there's I mean it's essentially the same I mean it's you're in multiple places, but you're not going across the globe like a Transformers or like even a Fast Seven. Right. As much as I love Fast Seven, um, it's it's that formula of you're in a confined space with people watching you. Yeah, and I mean it's uh, it is kind of critical nowadays in, in in movies that like that's everybody's kind of it's like a copycat genre. Yeah. You know, you look at like Taken was so successful. Well, if Taken's going to make all this money, then you know we should probably start looking at that. I mean, you know, car chases and things. I mean, Absolutely. it's just a different time. It's just a different time ultimately. And, and I mean, you can, as we've said, the the modern day action movie is the superhero movie. Yeah, that's that's what you get. And you're never going to get superhero movie where everybody's trapped in a location. It's just less unique. That's all it is. Yeah, and I think the yeah, fact that, that it's a different time kind of leads us right into our next topic, which is the critical reception of this movie. Hilarious. It's insane. Yeah, this movie got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, a 93, yeah. and it got a 70 something by by users. Yeah. I wonder if this movie was made now, would those numbers be flip-flopped? I got a quote for you. Janet Maslin of the New York Times loved it, stating, The film's dialogue is much more literate than a bus schedule, but its plotting is smart and breathless enough to make up for that. She was like, this movie is intelligent action. Yes. When you watch this movie now, does this feel like intelligent action? It feels, like, awesomely mindless, but it doesn't. this doesn't strike me as the same kind of movie that is... It's not a classic in terms of its um, quality. It's kind of crazy how they raise the stakes, because... If I think about it, like, this movie is not, like, as a hostage situation, I think Dark Knight Rises kind of takes it with the whole, with just the boat scene. Like, just the... Yeah, I mean, that's a hostage movie. That's awesome, too. Yeah. But I guess intelligent action, I guess, versus mind-blowing is, what what's the difference between spectacle and smoke and mirrors? Like, yeah. explosions and, oh, we got right, all right. these things going on and we're going to drop cars out of planes. Whereas you got Keanu... You know how fast they're going, sure. and he's on a little cart being wheeled. Now that's intelligent. I mean, that's that's as suspenseful as right. you can get, smartly without just being like, "Here's ten more million, add some more fire." Right? Well, okay. Do okay. you know what I mean? My my point is basically the the reviewers at the time, both Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, yeah. uh, Jenna Maslin, they compare this movie. Ebert. Yeah, Ebert. They all say basically this is as good or better than The Fugitive, which is okay. like you look. I look back and I go, Fugitive in my mind is a, is a classic dramatic thriller. It's a Correct. very quality movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. great acting, great plotting. This movie's absurd. It's awesome. Yeah, you have to suspend your disbelief a lot in this movie. Whereas in The Fugitive, there's very few moments where you're like, oh, come on. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and this there's almost moments like that every five ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, not it doesn't. It's not a statement of the quality. And I'll give you a good example. A friend of mine I was talking to recently, uh, a guy that had, had worked with Tony Scott, we were talking about sure. how those movies, those 90s movies, were so effective because he would take these great actors and put them in these ridiculous situations. And you'd be sitting there watching and you'd go, God, is what I'm watching really bad? Wait, is this bad? Is this good? Is this great? I don't even know. I just love it. Right. You know what I mean? That's what these guys are so good at doing. It's like yeah. they're, they're pushing your expectations so much to the edge that you kind of don't really know if what you're watching is a classic yeah. or just completely ridiculous. And I and I really do think that this movie is in that category where, to me, The Fugitive, it's harder to, like... So comparing the two, but at the time, people just saw it as the same thing. Right, and it's crazy that people, again, they favor they favored Speed over The Fugitive. Here's yeah. well, and, and nowadays, if you remade... They're remaking The Fugitive as a TV show I just read. Right. Um, and, and Speed. So if you took The Fugitive 
and speed. Yeah. And you both remade them now. Right. With every technology, like we have cell phones, we have all this. Sure. Fugitive would be way more disproven plot-wise. You'd yeah. have to suspend your disbelief way more that this dude who's as prominent doctor he's got you know successful etc is going to get framed and completely get chased around the globe sure versus a bomb's going to explode if you go below 50 miles an hour (laughs) right yeah it's way easier to consume and understand that look traffic sucks yeah drive on the shoulder yeah or we're gonna die totally it's true i mean that's that's way more you know i mean you look at avengers the new avengers movie and it's all that type of stuff versus right you know a chase, you know. Well, that's kind of what we talked about with circumstance, right? Yeah, the speed movie, will always triumph over fugitive. And that's, I mean, the movie is ultimately driven by circumstance, which is Absolutely. which is super clever. I mean, that's, you know, um, like, I wonder if there was, like, a pitch meeting uh, to make this movie. You know, like, what would you say in the pitch meeting? Steven, didn't you say you, you found some lost audio footage of, uh, of, of a pitch meeting for this movie? Yeah, let me cue it up for you guys. Oh, yeah, this, oh, is you. When, this is when Keanu pitched it to Fox, right? Oh, is it Keanu in the pitch meeting? I think so. Okay. I've never heard this. I'm curious about this. Okay, me too. Hi, Keanu. It's uh, really nice to have you in the studio. Uh, We heard a lot about this movie, and we're really excited to see uh, see what you got. So, what is it? Yeah, son, we're huge fans of yours. We love much ado about nothing. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, So, it's it's a movie about a bus that can't slow down. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Can you tell us more? Why why can't the bus slow down? Uh, Because if it slows down then the movie ends. Oh, interesting. So, uh, is there something in the film preventing the bus from slowing down? Yeah, the the bus itself cannot slow down. Oh, does it just not have brakes? No, it it has brakes, but it can't slow down. Okay, uh, one of the major successes our studio has right now is Schindler's List. How does this compare? Uh, favorably... Um, so the bus can't slow down. Does it travel through time? Is this a is this a sequel to Bill and Ted's? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it can't slow down. Oh. Where would you say you could take this franchise? You could put it on a boat. So it's like Jaws meets Schindler's List. Yeah. yeah. So the the boat could not slow down. No, definitely not. Just like the bus. This is brilliant. It's fantastic. How how much money do you think you need to make the film? Uh, thirty million. <laughs> it sounds like Keanu was way ahead of his time because yeah. Speed Two Cruise Control is in fact on a boat. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. He's incredible, just incredibly talented, just and convincing. He was full of conviction in that interview. Absolutely. Yeah. God, I Excellent. love that we keep finding these things. Ah, this amazing. Just hidden all over the internet. If you just Google search them, guys, you'll come up with them. Oh, yeah. definitely. That's all we're doing. Google is the best <laughs> invention ever. Yeah, incredible. Except on the iPhone. So uh, we do want to get into what we consider to be the ultimate action scene, which is very clearly in this movie, the scene where the bus has to jump over the missing piece of highway. Um, one of the iconic movie scenes probably of the 90s in terms of action movies. Right. Um, and something that I really thought of that was interesting is that I can remember growing up and I can remember like my teachers in school, my parents, my, my older brother. This was a movie that like the Simpsons references it. This was a movie that was talked about and spoofed to no end. Yeah. It's like that whole like um, 
I'm trying to think of a great example of the sort of thing like when the Rolling or not the Rolling Stones when when Aerosmith got clean and everybody's like whoa this rock band they're they're clean now they got off drugs and they're even more successful than ever it's a story you've heard told a hundred times right. right it's like the basis of like if you get clean you'll be more successful this movie it's like oh that movie that action movie Speed they all have to lean to one side of the bus so the bus doesn't you know what I mean like it's like this is just that movie yeah and this absolutely. is that scene you know what I mean this is they actually jump a highway in a bus yeah we've got the scene yeah, yeah, so Steve, if you want to queue it up. I love this scene. It's just so absurd. It's so exciting. Listen to the music. Oh, yeah. The music tells you you're supposed to be excited. End. Road, end. Road, yeah. work. It's not... Oh, like, God, he's good. Jack Travis. <clears throat> that guy? Like, it's not even... Like, they could have just had him... They should have just fell on... <laughs> on the underpass. Yeah, right. Like, well, there's no, like, there's, there's, there's no ramp to propel there's them. Nothing, dude. nothing. But you watch it as it goes off, and it, it definitely hits a ramp. It's, it's, <laughs> a non-existent it's not one. Like it was legitimately just nosedive. Oh yeah, just stupid. Not even. Yeah. End. Everybody, hold on. Grabs Maggie. Got to. Yeah, like what does that do? Wasn't that a? Yeah, and then look at it. It just goes straight up. How does it do that? He like grabs her and she turns the wheel and the bus yeah. just <laughs> yeah it just still goes straight like I mean that, and then boom of course it makes I the jump I would have bought that more if he had everybody go to the back of the bus right and put the weight on the back of the bus yeah. just sure just constantly. I'm not a scientist but it sounds like that would work absolutely and the, and the best thing is that they re- they reshot this film to make it more believable yeah. <laughs> Because and so in, in in the reshoot, right, the, the one shot, you actually see in the movie, yeah. um, they so so the, the the bus travels 109 feet in the air, right? It takes off from the at 61 miles an hour. It's supposed to be 70. It only reached 61, mm-hmm. uh, but the front of the bus lifts up so high. I think it's like 20 plus feet, 20 feet off the ground, and it's out of frame because the cameras weren't in place for it. Okay. So that's why the bus is not entirely in frame, and it's just sort of you're watching it. And it just seems so. In real life, it jumped a hundred feet. Yeah, they actually yeah. did. They, they, they set the bus feet. up a mile away from a ramp. Sure, hit sixty one miles at the ramp, and it launched a hundred nine feet, twenty feet off the ground. That's fifty feet too too much because the the gap on the road is only fifty feet. <laughs> right, they just just fly. Yeah, they, they should have just. They like fully like like messed with the bus. They augmented it. They put in like a giant suspension seat for the driver, which is yeah. 15 feet back from the front of the bus, so that when the bus landed, it would reduce spinal compression. Yeah. Because if you just were sitting in a regular and you did this, right. you'd probably just break your back. Yeah. Uh, or, or quite possibly. Huh. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's the one thing that I love about movies back then is, and we talked about this with Air Force One is when when the plane was in Ramstein is that you have to do these things. They right. actually well, did this. Speaking of what we're talking about right now, I was just reading yesterday, Fast Seven, Furious Seven, most of those stunts they did, like they they dropped cars out of the plane. Yeah, you they, have to. They had a stunt dude run up the side of a bus that was falling off of a cliff. Crazy. Like they did I mean, they didn't drive a car through three skyscrapers in Dubai. Sure. But they did most of the other stuff practical. Well that's the thing about CG is it has made us so aware of CG. Right. That when you watch movies now and and like you said in Fast seven if those scenes were completely computer generated as an audience member you'd be like that's fake this sucks 
So they actually have to do it. And that's why I love 90s movies is because they do it all the time. And it's yeah. so yeah. believable. Yeah. Another just note that I just remembered, uh, there, there was a reference to Dukes of Hazard early in the movie, like right in the first scene where the, where the car like does the 90s thing where it like flies um, over. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, travels in the air sure. and lands. And like it was just sort of like a nod at the, the you know, the, the, the fast car genre or whatever. But, uh, oh, yeah. That's one of the best parts of the beginning is that like they yeah. have to get to the, the building oh, and nice. then it just the car goes flying over the hill, crashing to the ground, and then they get out and get dressed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's great. It's like, we're here. It's like, here's the situation. We have 13 hostages. Like, <laughs> God, I love these movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so this scene is definitely pretty iconic. I think, uh, would you say it's, it, it is the most iconic scene in the movie, right? Yeah, which is crazy because this wasn't even in the original script. Right. Uh, the director was driving on the freeway because this movie was actually shot on the 105 and the 101 during reconstruction. And he saw a part of freeway that was missing. And he was like, hey, that's a great idea. So the most iconic scene in the movie wasn't even in the script. That's kind of like in Glengarry Glen Ross where uh, they wrote the Alec Baldwin speech for the screenplay. It's not in the play, and it's the most memorable scene of the entire yeah. movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, I watched that scene literally once every three months. Put that coffee I, I, down. My friends and I <laughs> quote that so much. Yeah. It's such a good scene. Coffee is for closest um, only. But the director loved that idea of it not being finished so much, he wanted to use it twice within 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he also had the subway not finished. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> Which is interesting, because we talk about this in movies, and it happens in Air Force One after Gary Oldman dies, and they got the MiGs chasing the, the, the plane. Yeah. And this movie, they've got the bus, everyone gets off the bus, and then they have to find a way for Keanu to catch Hopper. And so they add this extra, like, 25 minutes of film that kind of falls flat yeah. a little bit. It's sort of like, what's the point it's of this? dragging out the movie. Yeah. Which is, I mean, do you feel the same about I don't, that? I don't 100% disagree. Um, the, I mean, but, but he, that's the problem. That's where it's like, it's almost like it's not a hostage movie to the extent that there's a whole extra, or even like, well, then again, you also have like Die Hard 3 where he gets the the the, the headache pills and he deduces where um, right. where Jeremy Irons is, is hiding out at. Right. So it's like, where, okay, so you save the day. How do you catch the bad guy? Exactly. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to have them somehow or another. And I guess you need to, you can't have them just chase them on foot with no repercussions. I mean, you need another hostage. Exactly. So it's like, you need to have Sandra Bullock exit the ambulance, even though she would be at a hospital. Yeah. She wouldn't even be with the police. She'd right. be yeah. taken with all the other hostages to be debriefed. It is so. interesting. Like, yeah, it's difficult to end these movies. I mean, last week we complained at length about the ending of Edge of Tomorrow. We didn't, yeah. we felt like the ending of that movie was kind of tacked on. Mm -hmm. And you do have to sort of think the alternative is like, okay, what if in this movie they had basically ended it 20 minutes earlier? Maybe they give you just, you know, a quick, somehow they catch us hopper. I yeah. don't know. And then the movie ends. Would we all be sitting here thinking like, the ending's just really anticlimactic. Well, this movie completely ran out of money before they even put in the whole subway scene at all. Oh. They, they ran out of money, and so they, sh they screened the movie to test audiences. Oh, right, right, the, With the, the uh, animated... Animated storyboard. For the last 25 minutes of the movie, it was just an animated storyboard, and the audience loved it so yeah. much that the studio was able to come up with the money to finish the movie I, uh, and add that all in. I've seen a similar version of Edge of Tomorrow, like, two years before it came out, like a year and a half before it came out, where a lot of the explosions and everything were, like, fake CG and like, right. cartoons. And the ending was a little different. They, they they edited it a lot for, for the, you know, the major populace and put the love interest in there. Right. And they, Tom Cruise, actually, at the beginning, he was a bigger dick. And he was, like, more of, like, the ad guy and a right. chauvinist and hitting on women and all that. Mm -hmm. And they really shortened that up. But um, it's very interesting how movies over time, you know, how if yeah. they do well, they can get more budget. Um, yeah, and so as the scripts that. and as the scripts develop, Absolutely. one of my one of my favorite script development stories is that uh, the script for 
for uh, the original script, I think it is for Beverly Hills Cop, was rewritten so many times that it eventually became Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is like, so, so ridiculous. Can't I mean, wait to Stallone, do Cobra on the show. Stallone was supposed to be in Beverly Hills Cop, then it ended up being yeah, Cobra. Yeah, ended up getting on Cobra. But it's also interesting. Um, so I, I, I read not too long ago that it's almost the the house exploding was was an added in like a second effect like uh jeff daniels wasn't originally supposed to die yeah. so that could have been the ending had that subway scene not been in as they would have actually just found the dude at the house like we would oh we figured you out we saw like your, daniels you know, would have found it yeah he would have yeah. and they would have caught the dude but it's like a puzzle because i like that jeff daniels dies in the explosion yeah so yeah. yeah i mean truthfully we always we, we break these things down we talk about them in this way but we love this movie. I mean, this movie's oh, yeah. great. It's great. So, phenomenal. 93% on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. So let's get into the moments we love the most. This is something we're going to be introducing sure. this week, guys, called the fist pump moment. So normally we do our favorite scene, but I think that's kind of generic. So what I want to do this week, we've all had the experience where you're home, it's late, you're watching some movie, maybe you've had a drink, something, I don't know, maybe uh, you're really into it, and this moment happens in the movie where you just sort of like, you find yourself like nodding your head and squinting your eyes are like, we call it the fist pump moment, where you just say to yourself, yes, I get yes. to watch this movie for another hour. Like, hero in situation, yes. Like, it could be anything. It's very subjective. Uh, it's kind of loose. But if this happens to you sober watching a movie, you know you're really onto something. Oh, totally. So I want to go through, each of us chooses a fist sure. pump moment for it. speed. I'm yeah. going to go first, because uh, I love this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fist pump moment for me in speed is when the bus explodes at the beginning, and he's standing, and he's like, oh, God... And he hears the phone ring in the background. And you're it's kind of eerie. You're like, what is going on? He walks over, he picks the phone, he's like, pop sh- pop quiz, hot shot. Yeah. There's a bomb on a bus. Once it goes above 50, you know, and you're just like, you're like, oh, this is great. And he's like, I'd want to know what, I'd want to know what bus. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is so good. Right, right. You know, I, I'm just totally in at that point. Yeah. I'm on board. And the bus is 2525, which later on I found out is because 25 plus 25 is 50. Yeah. Just a weird production note, but sure. it's still interesting. It's excellent. Yeah. Rest. Uh, my favorite, uh, my fist pump moment would be, I would say, two minutes in when the elevator gets stuck and you're like, okay, I'm assuming it's this guy, but yeah. the people in the elevator don't know why. And you know, somehow or another, they found out like the hotel or wherever they're staying may have called the elevator repair shop or whatever. And this police car comes hurtling over a mountain. <laughs> There's no, at no speed could that car have gone that would have launched it over a bump like that oh, in downtown yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. No way. And that hurdle at least like 25 feet in the air landed properly and they get out and they're like, oh, okay, there's a there's this thing. So just the fact that that like there's way other routes they could have gotten there that yeah. probably would have been way faster than, <laughs> right. than going through Silver Lake, I'm imagining, because that's the only place I know with that many hills. Yeah. But it was, I mean, uh, anytime a police car hurdles over the horizon. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, this is what this movie's going to be like. <laughs> yeah. So right. huge, here you go. Huge fan of horizons and hills and police cars hurtling through the air. Yeah. yeah, I have, yeah. I'm going to hop on that train as well. Yeah. Uh, my fist pump moment is when they're like, we have to exit. And it's like, they're going to exit. They're going to exit the, so they're going to take a bus into downtown Los Angeles at 50 miles an hour. And this ensues the, the tilting of the bus and everyone on one side and the yeah. bus jump. It's just like right then when I'm like, oh, they have to exit. I'm like, yes, yeah. here we go. Here comes the craziness. Here comes the madness. What I love so much about the, the, the idea of a fist pump is it's like it's that moment where you're watching and you're just like, I love this movie. Yep. I love it. I'm so on board. Actually, can I change mine? Yeah. I want to change mine to the fact that there's like hardly zero traffic in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I want, to <laughs> right, live, right. I, yeah. want, I want to live in this magical land of Los Angeles that there's no traffic at 
8 in the morning in right. Santa Monica or even on the 10. Like they hopped on the 10 at 8 o'clock when he was trying to find the bus and there's like zero traffic heading east or west. And right. I'm like, I want to live in this world. Carmageddon, 1994. Yeah. One of the guys in the chat, uh, would you like to know, his fist bump moment is for me. Dennis Hopper's head hits one of the subway markers and gets decapitated. Keanu says... Yeah, but I'm taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's, that's a good yes. one. That is a great one. one. Thank you for that. A line doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm taller. Like what? Because your head? Because the head's gone now? Leverage me because he, he was, his was, arms are longer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so now I want to go over favorite line. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this time I will start with you guys. Uh, I okay. So I have I have a couple. Uh, the first one isn't really a line, and it's in the trailer. It's right after Keanu shoots Jeff Daniels in the leg, and then Dennis Hopper kind of like waddles away. He's like, "Ha ha ha!" He's just like <laughs> a maniacal, like hilarious waddle laugh combination. Uh, but since that's not a line, it's the end of the trailer and the end of the movie. Pop quiz, hot shot. You've got a hairpin trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, it's great, <laughs> classic. Uh. My runner-up, that that would have to be my my main yeah. one, Pop Quiz, because that's one of the most quotable yeah. of all action movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, Welcome to the Party Pal or Yippee right. Kaye, you know. Sure. I would say Pop Quiz Hot Shot or What Do You Do is one of the most, everybody, any guy or yeah. any, any girl who loves action movies or just grew up in that era quotes it for some reason. If you, even if you don't know where it came from, What Do You Do or Pop Quiz, when you're like being sarcastic or sardonic or talking down to people, it's... From that movie, and everybody uses standard, that. yeah, absolutely. Um, so my runner-up would have to be: uh, there's enough C4 on this bus to blow a hole in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, guy. No, there's not. That's a, the world's pretty big. That bus is very small. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What? Do you do? Yeah. What do you do? do? Yeah. Oh, the music. That's like yeah. I totally agree with you. And that actually reminds me of the other line that Jeff Daniels says when he's he's in the office. And this is not my line, but he's when he's just like. He's an encyclopedia of bombs. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just more qualifiers. It's so good. Uh, so my favorite line is actually one of the early moments when you're just like, slam, bang, action, thriller, where they're they're driving and, and you know, uh, Maggie sees, is it Maggie or Annie? Annie. Annie. Yeah, Annie. And uh, she sees that there's a woman pushing a stroller oh, across yeah. the street. And you're like, oh, no! And it hits it, and, it's, and it just goes flying. There's cans everywhere, and Keanu turns around. And to me, this is one of the classic, like, what makes him Keanu. He turns around, he's like, cans! It was full of cans! Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... He's like excited, but trying to calm someone down at the same time. Just you just don't even. Awesome. I just don't even know. It's just amazing. It just makes yeah. me, it made me laugh out loud to the point that last time I was watching this movie with a glass of wine in my hand, I paused it to call my buddy in Seattle, who used to be like my favorite movie with it, just be like, "Do you remember that moment in Speed where they hit the cans?" Like I just was so excited. So Excellent. And uh, it was like an old timey stroller. It wasn't even like oh, yeah. a 1994 stroller. It was like a stroller from like 1943. Yeah, yeah. hilarious. Uh, we got a Wild Man Beyond in the chat says fist foot moment for me is when Jack steals the car and the guy's still in the car. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Glenn Plummer, the actor, sorry, I'm going to hijack yeah, this. Go ahead. Uh, he lost his license two days before filming this movie. So they had to uh, work around that in the film. But I love that. In the 90s, if you're a cop and you don't jack someone's car, yeah. then you're not doing your job right. Well, yeah, and the other thing that I love is this is this is another like trope we see in these movies where it's just like, desperate character destroys luxury vehicle. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, I don't care that your car's nice, I'm gonna rip the door off. It's the same It's the same thing as in The Rock, you know, and the guy's like, you just effed up your Ferrari. Right, or he's yeah. like, yeah. if you're scratching my hummer, I'll have your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so classic. Good. So good. Bog up nice stuff. Um, alright, alright, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna move into uh, where the hero and villain rank all time. Um... This is sort of a weird one because they're not iconic characters 
for me anyway. I, I'll let you guys jump in first with this. This is an exercise where we just sort of talk about if you're thinking about the top 20, the top 50, the top 100 heroes and villains, do the characters in this movie chart? No way. Not at all. Not for you at all? No. Okay. Yeah. So what, you're saying like top 100, top 200, top 250, or not I would even? say, I, was, I mean, top, if we're going top 100 and I had to sit down and I had like eight hours to compile yeah. a list, maybe, maybe top 100. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's so many, I mean, there's... I mean, Bruce Willis alone would be on the top. Yeah, of course, top McClane, twenty. Yeah. And then you got every Tom Cruise. It's so. weird if you com- if you compare like McClane to Jack Trevin, you know. You know? Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely. I mean, then it's he's a mad bomber. It's not like he's, you know what I mean? Like like other villains and other hero and yeah. other action movies are just way more iconic than Dennis Hopper. You know. On a walkie-talkie. I don't know right. if I totally agree with you. I'm going I'm to let you jump in on this. Uh, it's interesting because I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, I'd maybe put Hopper in the top 50. Like, he doesn't have that same impact because I know that Silence of the Lambs is not an action movie, but Anthony Hopkins won an Academy Award for that movie, and he's on screen for like 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, Hopper's in this same situation where he's hardly ever on screen. There's hardly interaction between him and the, and the, uh, the hero other than on the phone or on the walkie-talkie. Um, it doesn't carry that same weight that Anthony Hopkins does. He's not as great. It's not as well acted, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I'd maybe put him in the top 50, probably closer to top 75. Sure. And then for Keanu, I don't know, top 100. It, it, I love the movie, yeah. and I love him in the movie, but I don't want this hero saving my ass at the end of the day. No. I would, I'd much rather have like 99 other heroes doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like think, Batman or somebody. <laughs> I think I go... Uh, Hopper is memorable in a way that a lot of the villains from these movies aren't. Even the even the campy ones, like the villain from Commando who wears the mesh shirt and is like loosely like pale and fat, right? Who's like a funny villain, yeah. But he's not memorable in the same way that Hopper's True. memorable. So I would give Hopper top forty, okay, um, forty. And then for Keanu, actually, see the thing that's so beautiful about Keanu in this movie, this in Point Break, this that's like the really the pair because later in his career when he's a little older, it doesn't resonate in the same way. It's so great, it's just different, yeah. Uh, but young Keanu, where he's like pretty jacked, yeah. he's he's a singular action star because as as we said, it's kind of like he's accidentally the smartest guy in the room yeah. because he's this well-to-do, he's this well-to-do hotshot who's kind of got a heart of gold, right? And he's kind of stupid. Yeah, he's very memorable for me. I'm gonna put Jack Traven in my top twenty-five. Top 25. twenty-five. He might hit like maybe this like guy. top thirty. Maybe he's like number twenty-seven, but he's not Please. outside the top thirty. Really? He's wow. there's not that many action stars that I can think of where I'm just a hundred percent just. Are, are, are we talking action stars or the character? The character. The character. Yeah. There's not that many characters I can think of where I go. I like this guy more. Like there's just not. I mean, there's a bunch of Tom Cruise characters, but there's a bunch of Willis there's at and least Cage. Eight Tom Cruise characters. There's at least four Bruce Willis characters. That's twelve. That gives you eighteen more to go. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You got, I'm gonna you got Harrison Ford. Back up a little bit. I'm you got Harrison Ford. You got. I'm gonna back up. Okay. You got every superhero. I'll put Trav in top fifty. Okay. And I'll put I'll, Hopper in the top forty. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give I'll you that. I'll give you Dennis Hopper. Where Where do the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park range though? Because they're way more memorable than Dennis Hopper. When I'm thinking villains, I'm thinking of the T Rex. Not an action movie. We can't no? do it on the show. Now we've thought about it before. It, it violates too many of the rules. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna cut him off there. As far as we just, might be able to do it in the movie. <laughs> Uh, as far as the list, though, like, like character, you know I mean, like, yeah, as yeah. far as villain, if we're going hero and villain list, yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the yeah. dinosaurs are more memorable than Dennis Hopper. I mean, that's the same thing as the the monkeys in Congo, the aliens in Alien. Yeah, I mean, right, right, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's, 
it's a hard thing to exactly. That's okay, a, lists like that are always hard to to to, to factor in. So we just have a couple more a uh, couple more little bits to hit before sure. we we wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of my favorites, and this week, guys, I know last week we mentioned this that this is recast. We're going to recast the film with modern day actors if they were to remake it. Um, we want you to do it with us. So a couple of you actually were cool enough to comment on the YouTube uh, the YouTube video, tweet at us and let us know. Um, you can tweet at us personally, or you can comment on the YouTube video about your recasting choices. There's four characters to recast. We're going to be recasting Keanu, Sandra Bullock, Dennis Hopper, and Jeff Daniels. And this is with modern-day actors who kind of closely resemble the same point in their career. So I will let uh, one of you fellas start. All right. I guess I'll hop on this, I'll hop on this train. Uh, I think that Sam Worthington would be an excellent oh. replacement for Keanu in this. That's interesting. It's pretty you know, good. He, kinda, he was really hot a few years ago, but he could totally play that, like, accidental genius. Yeah, yeah. He's jacked, you know, he's good-looking enough. Like, sure. I think he would do great in this role. That's pretty clever. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say Tom Cruise. <laughs> Even now? Oh, yeah. Cruise. He's, he doesn't age, dude. 52-year-old Tom Cruise. Absolutely. He's a, he's a cop, ready, you know. You know what I mean? Like, he's a, he's a, he's, yeah. I mean, he's been there a while. He's a loose cannon. Yeah. You know? He's got enemies. Sure. That he's he's foiled he's foiled so many people time and time and again. And he's so aggressive. He's, he's gotten sincere. medals. He's so you know what I mean. Yeah. Tom Cruise, absolutely. Okay. What about for you, Bateman? There's a camera on this bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. I go. I go. Chris Evans. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I can, I can see can that. that. Chris yeah, Evans, sure. I think, would destroy it. He's, I think, like, he's almost a little too famous now. It would have been perfect if it was like yeah. Chris Evans, like pre Captain America, right? But okay. I still think he could do it now. I don't. I actually yeah. don't think Chris Evans is that big of a star, despite him being Captain America. Uh, I mean, he's, he's pretty, very famous. Yeah. He's yeah. very famous, but I wouldn't feel like he wouldn't be like offensively star-studded right, right. in the way that Keanu wasn't yet. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's kind of the everyman a little bit, somewhat still. Uh-huh. Um, okay, let's go, Hopper. What do you guys got? Hopper, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love Tommy Lee Jones. You can throw a little bit of Two Face in there. You know, great point in his career too. Just cheesy enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is good. Um, I would say uh, Sammy Jackson would be a good one. Ah, Sammy, okay. Sammy, Sammy J. Okay, um, uh, he would be. He's always a good villain, and he's campy a little. He's always oh, yeah. a good villain. Like he's just you know he could be you know crazy enough. Um, Pop quiz, hot yeah. shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say him. Jack Nicholson would be good. I like him in every movie. Oh, I love Jack, but he's super old. He'd be like. He would not be able to run, or he'd, he'd be yeah. like, uh, you know. I think what's really interesting about when you're recasting Hopper at this point is because, as we said, he's kind of at the tail end. He's still convincing, but he's corny. Yeah. It's like, you know he was a great actor at one time, but he kind of gets away with being a little, like, silly, which is why I choose Robert De Niro. De Niro think, could be good. I think yeah. De Niro, at this point in his career, is just right for it. He was he, he was one yeah. of the original people to uh, play it. to play it, but yeah. I think he, I don't think then I think he was too believable. I, yeah, I think that's what happened. Like I'm trying to think of like because he's probably fifty ish. He was the, 90, 94 mean? is like right around the time that he's making like Night in the City, Mad Dog, yeah. Murray, so, Heat, Ronan the next year. Like right, right. So I'm trying to think of like like fifty five, maybe sixty year old ish. Yeah, older actor guys that have you know that have been around the block, and I'm. I'm there's a bunch. I, I'm thinking of 55 year old actors. I'm going straight to like Clooney and all that, who are like 50 years old. And they're, they're too good, credible. They're too too credible. So like, I'm saying right. De Niro at this point is like no longer credible dramatically. Like I'm, yeah. I, I don't doubt he could still pull off a good script. I yeah. just think that the kind of work he's been taking, he would he would be perfect for yeah. this role now. I mean, you could do the dude uh, Snape. What's his name again? Alan Rickman would be good. He oh, could yeah. be good. Yeah, Rickman. He could be a good bad bad guy. He's all, I mean, he's always a good bad guy. Though. Sandra Bullock. Who do you guys got? Not yet famous Sandra Bullock. Really? Okay, Sandra Bullock. Uh, I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Olsen just because she's I'm in love oh, yeah. with her right she's now. She's kind of blowing up right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, Jessica Chastain. Ah, oh, 
no, she's yeah. too intense. Nah, she's beautiful, smart, intense. Yeah. Nah, she could be, she could be uh, dumbed down a little bit. I love Jessica Chastain. Oh, me too. I think oh, she's phenomenal. I would do very nice things for her. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would open the door for her. She's oh, fantastic. I would, I would let her borrow my hoodie, even though I said you should bring your own. Right. <laughs> she's great. I, I think that she's so great that she could play this role. Excellent. Um, I really love mine. I thought I did. I'm forgetting it now. I had such a good one. Jessica Chastain was. I got so another good. one. If you if you if you can't remember, uh, I should have written it down. It was so good. Go ahead. I'd say Deborah Ann Wool. Okay, she'd be good. Oh yeah. Um, Emily Blunt could be good. I, I said that too. I, I really like. Yeah, she's Emily a Blunt. good action star. She's great. Yeah. She's kind of intense. Damn it! I can't remember mine. All right, I'm. We're gonna move on to uh, sure. to Jeff Daniels, and I'll hopefully I'll remember mine before we're done. Yeah. Uh, Joel Edgerton. Oh, Edgerton, sure. Don't you think Edgerton and Worthington in the same movie would be like a little thick, kind of too similar looking? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like kind of the same person a little bit. I just love Joel Edgerton so much, and I think he could totally play that role. Anything that we can do to talk about the movie Warrior, we will just do. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> what, what do you got? Uh, Jeff Daniels' character. Um, I will go with. Uh, I'll say like Adam Brody or someone like that, like a skinnier, like nerdier, like he's oh, the, he's the bomber guy. Yeah, like yeah. he's the you know he'd be the the. Uh, the nerd that he's not the action hero like Keanu is. He's right. the one who's in the office studying bomb schematics. Yeah, kind of like the new Q in the James Bond. Movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. I see. I in my mind when I looked at Daniel's character, I was like, you have to be old enough that you're sort of like, I'm only on this mission because I'm a vet, but yeah. I'm not physically as fit as like you are. Mm-hmm. And you know, one injury and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in the office. Adam Brody is too young for me. Yeah, that's true. But so I went Dennis Leary. Though he's oh, a little, he could be good. He's yeah, like a little great. old, but he's good and yeah. sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he could talk trash back and forth. He yeah. feels like he'd be like a really good he'd be foil. A good one. Yeah, I wish I could remember my uh, Dennis Leary would be a good one. Sandra Bullock, I'm, I'm totally disappointed. I wish you could too, man. Yeah. Will Ferrell or uh, Gary Busey? I do love Busey. Busey's uh, good. I'm a huge Busey fan. I, Nick Nolte would be good. I, Nick Nolte. Yeah. Nick Nolte's great. A bomb on a bus. I had I had uh, one option in my mind was Sienna Miller because I think she okay. has established she herself as like yeah. huge enough that I thought yeah. she could do a really great job with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, I don't. January remember. Jones could be good. Yeah, she could okay. be good. Yeah, like uh, it's a homely girl. Like it's not they're not supermodel, but it's like a girl who could legitimately. January Jones is pretty pretty hot. She said. Yeah, but if you if you put her in. I mean, she is, but so is Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yep. But no, I don't think Sandra Bullock was that hot yet. Oh. In my opinion. I think yeah. that that's, what I, that's the whole point with Jessica Chastain, is that the, you can always be yeah. brought down on your hotness level with yeah. Hollywood makeup and, and clothing, costume. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, let's move on to the last category. Uh, we are going to skip Cage versus Cruise this week, because... The answer's obviously Cruise. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the three categories discussion, which is which of the three action movie categories does this fit into, which the three categories are totally ridiculous, which is falling off a cliff of absurdity, totally legitimate, which is like the best of the best, could almost be an award-worthy movie, um, and ridiculously legitimate, which is the perfect hybrid, the zenith, if you will. Right. Where does this movie fall for you guys? Uh, for me, this is the perfect hybrid. It's ridiculously legit- legitimate. It's got the legitimacy of... The plot and the actual stress level, right. much like Die Hard, is Die Hard's one of the best action movies I would say, and it's it's cut and dry. Like it tells you the rules. This is everything you're about to see. This is what's going to come forward. Like yeah. right. even Dennis Hopper's like, look, dude, this is what's going to happen. Anybody tries to get off the bus and blown up, right. he does. He's he he states the rules, and you know the the circumstances that they're in. They're in a big city with traffic. They're on a highway. They're running out of gas, but. They jump fifty feet of highway. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So it's still suspending disbelief, like jokey wise, like it's still far fetched. But had they not jumped that, it would have been. I mean, yeah. 
Like, a compl- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. as legitimate of an action movie as they get. Sure, sure, yeah, totally. that's fair. Yeah, I do love that Hopper just follows through with everything he says he's going to do. I, I miss that in, in movies sometimes yeah, with the villain. Absolutely. Right. Um, I agree. I find it in the perfect zenith, and the reason is the exact same. Sans bus jump. This is a totally legitimate movie. I'll even take the turn where everyone's yeah. on one side of the bus and the yeah. bus is on two wheels. Whatever. I'll it's give you that. Enough. It's believable enough. I'm not know. a physics major, but it looked right to yeah, me. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. At least they all tried. Like you said, they were all on one side of the bus. Yeah. Maybe at least in the bus jump they could have been in the back. But yeah, the bus jump just takes to that point where I'm like, nah, yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remembered Mila Kunis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think okay. she. I think she'd nail it. You, you think that she's Jessica me. Chastain is too hot and Mila Kunis isn't? Yeah. I just think that she's too intense. That's that's the thing. Okay. I think okay. she's too serious. Gotcha. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect her as an actress too much. <laughs> Fair enough. enough. I love Mila Kunis to death. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with the same thing as you guys. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go even a step further and say I think this is one of the premier. I'm gonna go on record. This is top three of the middle category, in my opinion. If you were making that list, which I have a loose idea, which we won't get into right now, yeah. this is a top three movie in the ridiculously legitimate category. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's I think a, it's. I mean, it's it's as far as, um, I mean, it's cut and dry. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean, like it's so believable. Yeah, in the sense of everything is real world, like grounded. Yeah, it's almost in the legit category to like totally so close. legitimate. Yeah. You could make a strong argument that it is. It's just the tonality to me of. The tonality of Keanu is what drops it into the middle category because he's that total, just like the absurd character where you're yeah. just kind of he, you're laughable almost. Absolutely, the movie is too the movie is too laughable while watching it in an awesome way to I think give it the ultimate legitimacy. So I think it is yeah. a premier movie in that middle category. Absolutely, I'll concur. Excellent. Fantastic show. I like it. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for Absolutely. coming. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. This has been really, really fun. Seriously, thank you very much for having yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. This is super, super fun. So, yeah. uh, guys, if you want to check in with us on, on future episodes, you can follow any one of us on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter, Instagram, and occasionally Periscope is Ben Bateman Media. Uh, mine is at uh, Andrew Guy on Twitter, G H A I. My name is on, uh, on Twitter, at my name is Razzle2. Uh, the number two and uh, I got a couple other podcasts if I can promote those yeah, I, got, I, I host a couple podcasts I host a podcast called Today We Learned on the Nerdist Network uh, and then I host another podcast with uh, my buddies Zachary Levi and Tyler Labine who have been in action movies and stuff like that so you might like that too and it's called Picking Favorites and that one is uh, it's on the Wolf Pop Network and pretty much we sit down with a guest and we pick three categories and we talk about our favorite so it could be favorite Stallone movie our favorite food and our favorite you know Tom Cruise movie or whatever. It's yeah. it's changes every week and it's really really fun. So please check those out. If you yeah. ever want to come on here and talk about your favorite Tom Cruise movie, you're always welcome. Oh, dude, that's, I could <laughs> I could talk about Tom Cruise forever. Dude. We'll have you back for a cruise episode. He's <laughs> my favorite. Thank you so much for checking in, guys. Remember YouTube, Twitter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, interact, rate us, uh, and we will see you next week. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.